we really thought it was important that we lead by example, set the tone, make sure that what I like to call the tone at the top was right, that our leaders were modeling the behaviors and the approaches that we were talking about. Welcome to Golf Sustainability, the podcast dedicated to advancing sustainability of the environment and the game of golf for future generations. Hosted by Golf Sustainability founder, John Fiella. The Golf Sustainability podcast will feature conversations with industry leaders on the environmental and social issues impacting the future of the game. Let's tee off. Hi, everyone. I'm John Fiella, and welcome to the Golf Sustainability podcast. Today, we're joined by Sandy Cross, who's the Chief People Officer at the PGA of America. And we're going to be talking about a, a topic that's very important to me, which is inspiring diversity and inclusion in golf. Sandy, thanks for joining me at the Golf Sustainability Podcast, and welcome to the show. Thank you, John. It's a pleasure to be here. I normally like people to get a sense for the background of uh, my guests. So maybe you could touch on very briefly your career journey and, and then focus on telling us about your current role at uh, the PGA of America. Sure, I'd be happy to. Uh, my undergraduate studies were at the University of Buffalo and my graduate studies at Kent State University in Ohio. And I studied pre-law and sport management, respectively, for undergrad and graduate studies. And coming out of graduate school, I thought I was going to work in college and university athletics, because that's what I had been most familiar with as a college volleyball player for four years. But instead, I fell into, very fortuitously, a temporary assignment for 90 days at the PJ of America as the licensing administrator. And that blossomed into what's been really an incredible and, and beautiful career that I feel so fortunate to have. So coming out of that licensing administrator position and client relationships and fulfillment, uh -huh. I had the opportunity to move into the partnership sales side of our business. Uh -huh. And from there pivoted into what we call player development or player engagement. And I led connecting with her strategic initiative for the golf industry, where we were trying to bring more women into the sport and sustain them in the sport. And as I went about that work, John, in the gender space, if you will, that's what opened my eyes to the broader world of diversity and inclusion and the dozens of dimensions of difference that exist out there. So I went to our leadership and I indicated to them that I would like to begin to champion the diversity and inclusion effort for the PJ of America overall. This was back in 2014. And I was given the opportunity to set up and establish the diversity and inclusion department, the strategic plan. And I still oversee that work today. It's really exciting to see where we've come from since 2014 and how that's grown. In addition, though, in 2019, I grew into a newly created chief people officer position and was able to take on the people operations or human resources functions of the PJ of America. So that's in my purview today as well. The people operations, diversity and inclusion, and a lot of our home office operations, cultural initiatives. As many of your listeners may know, we relocated our home office from South Florida, Palm Beach Gardens, to Frisco, Texas, north of Dallas over the last four plus years. So we're now fully established on our campus, and it's a really exciting time here in North Texas. That's awesome. 
Congratulations. I didn't know that about you. So it's almost 10 years ago that you really started the movement programs and focus on diversity. And I guess it's a credit to kind of leadership at the time that they embraced your proposal. Having been involved in corporate sustainability for more than 10 years, I've interacted with lots of organizations and diversity and inclusion means different things at different organizations. I'm curious as to What's the framework within which you view diversity and inclusion at PGA of America? The overarching framework through which we view it is that we have a grand vision for not only the game, but the golf industry workforce and the golf industry supply chain to truly reflect the demographics of America. So tens of millions of people are playing the game, and certainly we want that participant base to be as diverse and robust and as vibrant as possible. But it's also critically important that the golf industry workforce, and that's approximately 2 million jobs in golf on an annual basis in the US, and the golf industry supply chain, which is over $100 billion annually in this country, that those also reflect the demographics of America. And we know that when that workforce is reflective, And when that supply chain is reflective, that fuels and reinforces participation in the sport itself. So that's the the high level framework that we use. Now on a daily basis, John, there's five areas of commitment in our inclusion work that we really look after. Mm -hmm. Uh, One is on the governance side and governance is critically important to the PJ of America because we are a volunteer led professional trade association. These volunteer leaders are at the chapter, section, and national levels of our association. And like the industry workforce, we've got to make sure that the leadership reflects the demographics and they're at those decision-making tables and boardrooms and on committees. So that's a big focus. Education remains critically important over the last 10 years, making sure that our 29,000, nearly 30,000 now, PJ of America golf professionals truly understand what is diversity, what is inclusion, and most importantly, how do they operationalize inclusion at the point of play at the local level? There's things we can do here from our home office, but where the rubber meets the road is at those approximately 10,000 golf facilities around America where consumers are coming out to experience the sport, and we want them to be invited and welcomed and have an amazing experience and come back. Third area of focus is workforce, not just internally, but again, that two, those 2 million jobs in the industry. Supply chain, I touched on, the 100 plus billion dollar a year industry, making sure that minority owned, women owned, veteran owned, disabled owned, and LGBT owned businesses have an opportunity to be at procurement bidding tables, have the opportunity to put their best foot forward and earn a piece of that economic opportunity that exists in the game of golf. And then our last area of focus, but certainly not least, is community. And that's making sure that there's no real or perceived barriers to anyone from any background, identity, or ability coming into the sport. So that comes to life through a lot of community partnerships, not only here in North Texas, but also broadly across the country. Yeah, it's a pretty comprehensive scope from doing some background research on the work you did, particularly early on, it seems like you started a lot of the work internally at 
the PGA, where you had internal diversity and inclusion programs within the PGA itself. Why did you, why was it important for you to really start kind of the DEI work internally at the PGA on things like staffing and at the championships and so on? Thanks for asking that, John, because it was really important. And I would recommend that to other organizations as well. We took an approach of let's make sure that we have our house in order first before we start preaching, if you will, to our PJ of America golf professionals or other external entities about how they should approach the space. We really thought it was important that we lead by example set the tone, make sure that what I like to call the tone at the top was right, that our leaders were modeling the behaviors and uh, the approaches that we were talking about. So that was really important. And I think it was effective too, that we could show early on some of the wins that we were having. I'll give you an example. I talked about our commitment to governance earlier on. And we launched in the beginning of our DNI journey a program called PGA Lead, and that's to identify PGA of America golf professionals from diverse backgrounds and put them through a two-year emerging leaders development program to ready them to serve in the boardrooms, again, at the chapter section and national levels of our association. Mm -hmm. So PGA Lead is one example of something that we started early on to show that we were identifying, developing, and preparing our own PGA members to be leaders, to be the future leaders of the association. Just one example. I'm happy to share more if you'd like. Yeah, excellent. That work that you did internally has now clearly spread to these other areas in terms of the broader golf industry workforce, the broader golf industry supply chain. Tell us about some of the things that the PGA is currently doing to advance diversity and inclusion throughout the entire industry. I know you've got programs for suppliers, for the workforce, for participants. Let's take a couple minutes on each dimension. That sounds great. We'll start with the workforce. On the workforce front, we have a charitable foundation at the PGA of America called PGA Reach. And through Reach, there's a strategic initiative that we call PGA Works. And that is to diversify that golf industry workforce. And we do that through the deployment of fellowships, scholarships, career exploration events, and also not in the foundation, but we have a program called PGA Job Match, where we are helping our prime suppliers at our major spectator championships tap local talent from diverse backgrounds in the host cities of our championships to have them work on those events, pre-event, during the event, and post-event. And these programs that I'm sharing, John, have really, I think, in a lot of ways, been an inspiration for the industry from a workforce development perspective. There's a broader initiative beyond the PGA of America, led by ourselves with the PGA Tour, the USGA, the LPGA, some of the other allied associations, a number of the equipment manufacturers, the tailor-mades and PXGs of the world, where everybody is all in. It's under an umbrella called Make Golf Your Thing. Mm -hmm. Make Golf Your Thing, similarly to the vision I shared at the outset of our discussion, is committed to the game, 
the workforce and that supply chain mirroring those demographics of America. So back to workforce, your listeners and their contacts can take a look at makegolfyourcareer.org. That is the first time ever where the golf industry has come together and offered a singular destination for a job seeker to go and navigate what kind of is a daunting landscape of golf. If you want to work in the golf industry, you want to have a career in the business of golf, where do you start? You can now go to makeoffyourcareer.org and find these different points of entry, these different jobs and careers that exist across a myriad of golf industry employers. It's also a great place for the golf industry employers to go and find prospective talent from a variety of backgrounds. So we launched that back in January as an industry and are super excited about that. Similarly, on the procurement side, mm-hmm. the golf industry, through this Make Off Your Thing initiative, we've launched a singular destination where businesses that need to procure goods and services, primarily in the golf industry, can go and find diverse owned suppliers. And this is under makeoffyourbusiness.org. So again, the first of its kind singular destination that's designed to bring together diverse owned vendors with business decision makers who are procuring goods and services. That's an awesome idea. It's in a prior life in the energy industry, the Wall Street Journal had ranked the energy industry like 10th out of 11 industries for diversity and inclusion. And at the time, we started a program at Smart Energy Decisions called Inspiring Diversity in Energy. And the first part was creating awareness for the need to make the industry more diverse. And then once that awareness was there, the obstacle then became where do we find diverse candidates? They didn't know where to go. And it sounds like your programs are really addressing both sides of the equation. You're not only raising awareness, but you're making it easier for golf industry organizations to find diverse suppliers and vice versa. So that was well done on your part to really tackle both sides of that. Oh, thank you, John. I think that's a great analogy with the energy industry. And it's interesting from a golf industry perspective, that awareness piece that you touched on is our biggest challenge and our biggest opportunity. And we found through some surveys with a company called Jop that one of the biggest barriers to an individual pursuing a career in the golf industry is they think that they have to have a golf background, golf knowledge, golf experience, playing ability. Mm-hmm. And for many of the jobs in the golf industry, that is not the case at all. Golf experience, playing ability, skills, et cetera, is not a prerequisite. I'll use myself as an example, and I've had this 27-year career in the golf uh, business. I didn't come from a golf background. I had not been exposed to the sport at all prior to taking that 90-day temp position with the PGA. So I really, I, I want listeners and and their contacts and connections and networks to understand that there most likely is an opportunity for a career in this business if you desire it. We operate like any other corporate operation. We've got all the the departments and the needs, whether it's the foundation or technology or finance, creative services, marketing, 
facility operations, you name it, those types of jobs exist in the golf industry. That's excellent. So we've touched on workforce, we've touched on supply chain. How about participants? Let's talk about the the demand side of the game. What are some of the things that the PGA is doing to try to make the participant pool of golfers more representative, more diverse, more inclusive? Take us back to make off your thing again. One of those areas of focus is the game. And collaboratively with the golf industry leadership, we've rolled out a grassroots grants program. Let's see, we're three years into it now, where we are making sure that grassroots grants programs in local communities around the country that have deep relationships with individuals from diverse backgrounds, that they are getting the financial support that they need to run those programs, to be able to deliver PGA and LPGA coaches at the local level to individuals, again, from diverse backgrounds, so they can come into the sport, enjoy the sport, and be sustained in the sport. And I mentioned community earlier on. We want to make sure that there's no real or perceived barriers to an individual coming into the sport and enjoying it for a lifetime. So the Grassroots Grants Program under Make Off Your Thing has been really impactful. I'll give you another couple examples. PGA Junior League, which Mm -hmm. is a little league version in golf, if you will. Boys and girls playing on teams together, ages 17 and under. All skills, all abilities, all backgrounds. There's a scholarship program as well as opportunity leagues through PGA Junior League to make sure, again, that there's no financial hurdle for an individual who may come from a financially under-resourced background to come into the sport, come into PGA Junior League. And it's so critical, John, that we bring more girls and more youth of color Mm -hmm. into the golf pipeline early on through programs like PGA Junior League and through those Make Off Your Thing grassroots grants programs. Because if we don't bring youth in early on, they won't develop the skill level or playing ability that is a prerequisite to become a PGA of America golf professional or an LPGA teaching professional. We talk about the 2 million jobs in golf and many of those don't need a golf background, but if you wanna pursue a career as a PGA of America golf professional or an LPGA teaching professional, you do need playing ability. There is a playing ability test that you're required to pass before you come into that professional golf management curriculum and earn that credential as a PGA of America golf professional. So that's an important factor for us as well. We have nearly 30,000 PGA of America golf professionals. Only 5% of them right now are women. 12% of them are individuals of color. So a lot of room for growth when we think about diversifying the golf professional workforce. These are individuals who are teachers and coaches. They are managing the golf operations at about 10,000 golf facilities around America. And they're also in executive management roles at a variety of golf industry employers. So it's an important side of the equation. And another reason that we really need to flood that youth pipeline early on with a lot of diversity. Yeah. That's actually, that's fascinating. And it makes a world of sense. If you want a more diverse pool of PGA professionals, your membership, you're going to need to get a more diverse pool of people coming into the game. 
the this idea of grassroots is really the next topic I wanted to to get into, Sandy, because you see so many really smart, creative programs developed at the top of be it the PGA or the USGA. But you go out to an to your average golf course, and there's generally rarely evidence that there's activity on the ground to really support those efforts. What do you think is going to be necessary to get grassroots execution and engagement against these very thoughtful uh, promotions and programs? You mentioned the grant program. Maybe you could talk a little more about how you implement the the grants program, or there may be some other thoughts that you have on what's going to be necessary to get more grassroots participation around these great programs that you're putting together. Sure. Some of the things that we really need to stimulate the efforts, it, one sounds so basic, but we have to make sure that we keep our foot steady on the gas. Like we don't let up. Nothing can be like a one and done. Oh, we push that thing out and we're done. And now we're over here. We have to keep our foot steady on the gas as an industry and make sure that we're all rowing in the same direction together. It doesn't mean that the different golf entities can't have their own programs and they do, but what are the things as an industry that we're committed to across game, career and business, that workforce piece? I'm sorry, that supply chain piece. We have to steady on the gas, rowing in the same direction. And that has been the secret sauce, if you will, behind Make Golf Your Thing for the last three years. We're heading into our fourth year now. It's really hard to believe. But it, that's how we've been able to sustain and continue to deepen the impact. I think it's also really important that we market and communicate consistently and clearly to consumers from all backgrounds. We have to illuminate the pathways into the game into the workforce and into the supply chain because they're not readily visible. Mm -hmm. And as I touched on earlier, many consumers, particularly consumers from diverse backgrounds, come to this sport or don't come to this sport in this business due to some preconceived notions that may have been formed decades ago by their parents or their grandparents. So we have to thoughtfully Storytell put forth the new narrative about what golf looks like today and what those pathways into the game and the business are and how to step onto those pathways with ease. So it really takes a lot of communication, education, and, and again, steady on the gas. Okay. Listen, I there's no question about your commitment in this space and you've got great programs and I really like this idea of grassroots grants, right? Because so often the obstacle to getting things done at the grassroots level is funding and resources. And you're aware of that and you've put this program in place to address that. So good luck with that, Sandy. Oh, thanks, John. And one other thing, just on the grassroots grants, I, to emphasize why they're so critical in addition to what you shared, is those organizations, let's take Black Girls Golf or the Latina Golfers Association, they have relationships already with consumers from diverse backgrounds, trusted relationships, huge followings. And we don't have those relationships. We don't have those followings. So if, when we lock arms with those types of organizations, provide some financial support so they can sustain their operations, 
they become advocates for us, for golf, for the career, for the business, to their followership in a way that, frankly, I don't think we ever could because we don't have the background and the authenticity and in the industry track record that people might necessarily trust or believe yet. So really, I can't emphasize enough the, the value of those grassroots relationships uh, that are embedded deep in communities across the country. How, do, how would I apply for a grassroots uh, grant? The next grant application window or phase, if you will, I believe that'll be our fourth phase, will open up early in the new year, calendar 2024, and you will be able to do that at makegolfyourthing.org. Excellent. We'll make sure we include a link to that in the show notes, Sandy. Thank you. Yeah. So I'd like to end each episode of the podcast with some questions that really give our listeners a chance to get to know our guests a little better. So we're going to pivot from golf to you. And I know you're very modest and I know this is going to make you uncomfortable, but I really would like to touch on some of these things, Sandy. What would you say drives you? What motivates you? What drives you? I'm really driven by the, the transformative power of golf. I've just seen it through the decades. Like there, there's so many joys in the game and the sport really has the power to transform lives whether you're playing in it or working in it or doing business in it. There's just countless stories. And I'll do a brief plug for one of our own programs that our foundation, PGA Reach, operates. And it's called PGA Hope. And that stands for helping our patriots everywhere. And there's no better example of the transformative power of this sport to literally change the lives of men and women who've given everything to us for our freedoms in service of this country. So that's the biggest shining example. And it's literally, listen to the interviews from some of the HOPE participants and alumni. And for some of them, John, it's literally saved their lives. It has brought them back from the brink, allowed them to have some stability and some hope, no pun intended, and to re-engage in their communities in meaningful ways. So that's one example, but I, there's just so many ways that golf can transform a life, transform a business, et cetera. Yeah, that's actually, that, that's a great example. I've, I'm supporting and I've been involved with the First Tee group down here in Palm Beach County, First Tee of the Palm Beaches. And they are not only doing great things with youth programs, but they're also supporting the local VA hospital and golf as therapy for veterans is something that's really emerged as an important part of what they do. So I really like the, the detail on this Helping Our Patriots Everywhere program. So thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Who has inspired you, Sandy? My parents have been my biggest inspiration. They've both passed on, but my entire life, I watched them give back to the community, whether it was their church community or the local community or Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, 4-H. They were just always giving back to the community. So that really inspired me. And more specifically with my dad, he had, he lived in others first mindset, no matter what it was, big or small, he would always put the other person first. 
And that other's first mindset has really informed my approach to the inclusion work and the people operations and the cultural work that I've had the opportunity to do on behalf of the PJ of America and in, in the golf industry more broadly. So really my parents, John. Yeah, that's wonderful. And I would imagine they, they'd be, they are very proud of what it is you're doing. So keep it going. Um, Thank you. What would you say, Sandy, has been the, the greatest challenge that you've uh, faced and overcome? As I think about the recent years, John, it's, it's been an incredible opportunity and, and it's been amazing to be a part of. Relocating the PJ of America from South Florida to North Texas was incredibly challenging. I mentioned earlier on in our discussion that we did that over a four plus year period, which is not the normal approach that a company would take. I think with a corporate relocation, it's typically done on a shorter runway. We did it over a much longer runway and we did it during the pandemic and everyone's familiar with the pandemic and all that came with. So to do that corporate relocation during the pandemic and do it in a way that was very thoughtful to our employees because our, our people matter to this entire operation. We can't exist without them. To do it in a thoughtful way, to do it in an equitable way, and balance what's best for the individual, but what was best for the business. And again, try to meet the individual and their family where they are was incredibly challenging. I'd put it right up at the top of most challenging things in my career. Yeah. Listen, relocating a company on a good day is a challenge. And the thought of having to do it during the pandemic is incredible. I have to say, we do miss you in Palm Beach County. When I drive by PGA Boulevard, I, I think about you guys, but the facility you have in Frisco is just unbelievable. As I may have mentioned to you, I attended the National Golf Foundation Executive Symposium, which was held there. And the facility is incredible. I didn't get a chance to play the golf course, but I definitely plan on returning to, to do that. So you guys did a great job with that. Oh, thank you. We're super proud of it. It's an incredible partnership with the Omni hotels and resorts in the city of Frisco. It's a unique public private partnership and it's a 660 acre campus. I hope you will be able to get back and play one or both of the golf courses and also our newly opened PGA coaching center. Uh, you should try to take advantage of that as well. I'm not saying your game needs work, but we all can improve. <laughs> And if you watch episode one, I, I, I'm fully transparent about the fact that I am a high handicapper and my game needs a lot of work, but I'm high too, John, you and I will pair up for around. <laughs> Listen, I, Sandy, this has been great. I really, I was hoping to give our listeners an opportunity to understand the scope and the breadth of your activities around diversity and inclusion, the themes. I really like the way you have this organized around the game, around careers, and around business to promote diversity and inclusion with participants within the workforce and, and also within the supply chain. Great work. I know your, your best accomplishments, I suspect, are ahead of you. Thank you so much for uh, being with us here today on the Golf Sustainability Podcast. Thank you as well, John. It was a pleasure. I appreciate the opportunity. And to our listeners, thanks for joining us on this episode. If you enjoyed the conversation, please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. You can also watch it on YouTube, subscribe there to get notices of the video versions as they are released. Thanks very much for being a part of our community 
and have a great day. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Golf Sustainability Podcast. Take action on the ideas inspired by this episode. You can find out more about golf sustainability in the show notes for each podcast episode and following us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Subscribe now on your favorite podcast player, and we'll see you soon on another episode of the Golf Sustainability Podcast.